Flip the Switch, your podcast for the latest on power, people and the planet. Welcome to the second episode of Flip the Switch. As you know, this is a podcast series where we exchange ideas, knowledge and solutions that affect our progress in achieving universal access to clean and reliable energy. And we're Shali Mishra, your host for this episode. We were fortunate to have Ashwin Dayal and Joseph Nangar, stalwarts from the energy sector in the launch episode, talking about the vision of the newly established Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet, GIAP. As we celebrate the month to mark International Women's Day, we take this opportunity to talk specifically about an often ignored aspect of energy access interventions, women in the sector. We will touch upon the Alliance vision on the role of women in achieving sustainability goals through a green pathway. It's my pleasure to introduce our guests for today, two eminent personalities who've been striving to make reliable energy access and transition a reality for the last mile. Carolyn Abomu, Investment Director at GIAP, and Padmashri Reema Nanavati, Executive Director, Self-Employed Women's Association, SEVA. A very warm welcome to both of you and thank you for joining us. Let me start with you, Carolyn. Uh, you worked with women across different sections and geographies, including Africa, which is one of the lowest access rates in the world. Could you shed some light on where women today stand in the energy access ladder? Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you both. Um, so there has always been inequity in terms of women's access to electricity, especially provide productive use electricity. But COVID-19 has really shown a big spotlight on that inequality. This is our opportunity to build back differently. Uh, we are never again going to address this inequality and see meaningful change uh, in women's life as much as we have as the opportunity of doing so today. We know that energy is key to poverty reduction. A study last year by UN Women and the UNDP points to a 9.1 increase in the poverty rate for women that's prior to COVID, yet prior to COVID, the rate was supposed to decrease by 2.7% between 2019 and 2021. The UN also estimated that 47 million more women will be pushed into poverty. This is on top of existing gender inequities. Women and girls are the first to be pulled out of school, out of work, and to bear the brunt of economic shocks of this pandemic, which is not two years long, over two years long, actually. In addition to the pandemic, the IPCC climate report that came out just last month drives home how urgent our mission is today and why, together with IKEA Foundation, Bezos Health Fund, and global development finance institutions and governments around the world and other energy sector partners, why with all of these, the Rockefeller Foundation has launched the Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet this past November at COP26. Referring again to the IPCC uh, report, between 3.3 and 3.6 billion people live today in areas that are very vulnerable to climate change. The report also showed that at least 32 million additional people could fall into extreme poverty by 2030, 
due to climate impacts without adaptation. We know that women and girls are especially vulnerable and live in countries and communities that have contributed very little to global emissions to date. And yet, today, bear the brunt of climate change devastation. These communities also lack access to reliable, affordable electricity. This is a primary constraint to equitable economic development and an essential tool to withstand the effects of a warm, warming planet. The report highlights the deep inequity of the climate crisis. I really recommend this report. So finally, maybe one last data point, as we're you know, um, right in the week of International Women's Day. This year's International Women's Day saw the UN organization focus on the intersection between gender equality and sustainable development. A UN development program report estimated that 80% of people displaced by climate change are women. I really emphasize on this, 80% of people displaced by climate change are women. So according to UN Women, to the um, UN Women, women and girls are disproportionately affected, as I've just said, by the climate crisis, because it exacerbates gender inequalities and access to natural resources. Noting women often bear again, the responsibility for securing food, water and fuel. So those are important data points. But what can we do about this? Well, as we work to expand sustainable energy access, we have to work explicitly on supporting gender equity. The Alliance has made a commitment to improve gender equity by ensuring that 50% of productive use customers and employees of GRE value chains will be women. So how will we do this? Well, when we make investments into GRE companies, we really need to insist that our investments ensure women are not only part of the workforce, but also part of the leadership where possible. Be and beyond requiring it, we have to also support companies on how to get there. Everywhere there are energy investments, we have to make sure livelihood founders, microfinance organizations, are, and others are explicitly working on ways that women can utilize and expand their economic opportunity in the electricity. And obviously, we also need to explicitly focus on the agriculture energy nexus, which drives productivity and jobs, adding additional funding and support to especially make sure women benefit. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline, for bringing out the fact that access to reliable energy can empower women to become financially independent and thereby contribute towards the larger goal of poverty reduction. Uh, Reemaji, you've been a leader in this area and have helped uplift women, particularly rural women, through energy access. How has the journey been for you and what are your insights? Thank you very much, uh, um, Vaishali Ben, for inviting me. Um, and, um, you know, uh, sharing the reality of women workers in the informal economy. Um, the reality is that um, women um, do um, are excluded when it comes to energy planning, energy budgeting. Uh, majority of the time in most of the projects, women are only seen as consumers or users of energy. But even in that circumstances, um, the uh, energy appliances, the energy uh, usage is not designed as per the needs of the women. 
but still women are always um, good at coping because you know innovation is one of their coping strategies and therefore women always innovate and i would like to show how given an opportunity given an enabling environment women are able to build their own energy enterprises where women just don't remain consumers of energy or electricity but they become the owners and managers of the energy enterprises so today seva has a cadre of almost uh, 3000 energy entrepreneurs um, who have their own energy enterprises so women uh, work on bringing clean cooking into the households to reduce indoor air pollution addressing the health issues re resulting out of the indoor air pollution one of the innovations i would really like to share here is that how the self help groups uh, made access to clean cooking uh, affordable and accessible both. Uh, poorest of the poor women who cannot afford to own an LPG gas of their own or women who cannot afford to buy or invest in a cook stove, the self-help groups are provided with microfinance and they uh, bought you know, five to seven cook stoves and LPG gas cylinders so women then uh, uh, lease out or rent out stoves and cylinders for um, two hours, four hours, depending on uh, what is the affordability of the members. We now have women energy entrepreneurs. So using smart devices, they uh, ensure that, you know, uh, eligible women have, who have, who get entitlement to the um, government's uh, clean energy programs. And that's how they also take care of after sales and service, going beyond that to the rural women. Uh, how rural women, the poorest of the poor, working in the deserts, working in the far off tribal areas, working in the hilly regions, how they switch over from uh, fossil fuel based appliances to solar appliances. And also, how do they make it um, um, remunerative as well? So we have women in the salt pan, uh, in salt pan, and who used to um, spend almost seventy percent of their earnings in buying diesel oil or gas, gasoline. And these women now have uh, invested in getting solar pumps, and not one, two, but seven thousand women. And um, they, uh, that has saved almost 50% uh, of their uh, expenses on diesel oil. And as a result of that, um, the women now have uh, additional income because they are able to produce um, at least one pan, uh, pan worth of salt more. And second, that during the off season, because as we all might know that the salt producing season is for about seven months. So in the rest of the five months, the women are setting up their own solar park and the energy would be fed into the grid. And um, that is how the women will have secured income and they will also be able to have access to finance. So uh, I think what is really very important is that how do we make the transition much more inclusive of women and the poor? And second is the need for access to affordable finance. 
poor and women do not want charity but they need an enabling environment and they also need access to affordable finances thank you reema ben for bringing out this very important uh context that women are not just meant to be passive consumers but also active players in bringing about that shift towards adoption of clean energy uh caroline any uh stark differences or maybe uh similarities to note from um from africa especially given the fact that access uh rates are really low no actually yeah quite a similar um takeaway indeed thank you very much for that that's very close um we can really say that equitable energy access can uh, actually lead to more equal outcomes for in different areas of social economic development i mean energy access is so essential for more education healthcare safety uh and women have been the first to not have access to these things or suffer the consequences of equal access to power so really those points made uh, by women uh, the importance of uh providing energy access to women for the reasons mentioned also on the financial side are key and uh, i would say that, that we have very similar takeaways here as well thank you right right kalin uh this actually may, uh you know makes me come to a very important initiative that the alliance has just recently announced where they will create 750 green jobs for women across six countries in sub-saharan africa if you could share a little bit more about this initiative with our listeners absolutely um happy to thank you um so yes uh, before i talk specifically uh, about our work uh on uh, with shortlist on the job creation maybe i could remind our listeners about the goals of the global energy alliance for people and planet seeing that it is still new and what and was only launched in november uh at cop26 so the alliance and again i'll repeat the full name the global energy alliance for people and planet uh focuses on three pillars of energy projects um and creating green jobs across all of them so fossil fuel transitions grid based renewables and distributed renewable energy across those three pillars we will work to create jobs and enable the productive use of power with a focus on uplifting low income communities and promoting gender equity across those three pillars the alliance will be striving to maximize impact on jobs and livelihoods investing in distributed renewable energy and grid based renewable energy projects that generate a significant positive impact on jobs and livelihoods but beyond this the alliance will the alliance will also make targeted investments to stimulate demand to match new power supply enable energy poor populations to productively use power and grow incomes but you know without an explicit commitment to supporting gender equity however women will not benefit from these investments so to make this happen agriculture livelihood and microfinance programs must help women utilize and expand their economic opportunities with reliable electricity so we really again coming back to one of the point that was made earlier really believe that the only way women will benefit from expanded energy access and the new economic opportunities it creates is with direct investment across the value chain So to that end and to support its goal of increasing women's participation in the renewable energy sector the energy the 
Uh, Alliance recently indeed announced a new collaboration with Shortlist and Value for Women to create what you were referring to earlier, uh, which is 750 green jobs for women across six countries in Sub-Saharan Africa, Nigeria, Uganda, Sierra Leone, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Malawi. This project is placing many women in high-volume high roles while also prioritizing women in high-value, visible, and non-traditional roles. Beyond the women placed directly into green jobs, the program will also lay the foundation for the continued hiring of women by preparing a vast talent pool, developing a hiring database for employers, and providing technical assistance to energy companies on equitable employment practices. And to advance its goal of increasing the number of female productive users of energy, the Alliance has partnered with CARE, Sierra Leone, to work across 20 mini-grid electrified communities to help more than 7,000 women start and grow energy-enabled businesses. By providing financing for energy-enabled appliances, soft and hard business skill, skill training, and mentoring, the project will help women launch new businesses or expand existing businesses to increase their profit, profitability. Care Sierra Leone will identify how to influence over livelihoods funders to coordinate energy and gender funding and develop a replicable blueprint for supporting profitable, sustainable, renewable energy enabled businesses for women and mini grid sites across the emerging markets. So those are examples um, you know, that show that the Alliance is really beginning um, uh, the work with an intention, very intentional aim on uh, including women at substantial level. We are beginning our work with these pilots uh, projects so that we can use them, um, we can use them on what we learn, what we learn from them. Sorry, to inform our future inter intervention and try to ensure everything we do will actively, intentionally support women. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. It's really um, heartwarming to listen about a program that really, really focuses on enabling women to access jobs. Uh, so, uh, and I really do hope these kind of interventions are more in number and multiply across regions. Uh, Rima Ben, just to um, you know, bring you back to how an energy access program can be tailored to bring in women at the center of its intervention. If you were to list three key things that any intervention should look at, uh, like Caroline has just talked about um, access to jobs, what would be those three key things for you? Sure, Vaishali Ben. Um, talking on behalf of the 2.1 million women workers in the informal sector, all, all members of SEVA in India, but also on behalf of the women workers in South Asia, I think the three key things that you are talking about is building green skills amongst the younger generation of women. And um, so we have launched a, a, a skill building program for 15,000 women over a period of five years in clean and renewable energy in partnership with UNEP and Renew Power India. And how women could therefore play a key role in um, not just uh, uh, installation of uh, clean and efficient energy appliances, but also in the after-sales service in the operation, maintenance, and repairs. 
Uh, our pilot program showed that women earn anywhere between 500 to 700 rupees a day. And that gives them, you know, um, a decent and dignified work, uh, work as an income. The third is creating a green energy fund that enables uh, women not just reaching um, several SDGs along with access to energy, but also helps in generating and building women-owned enterprises. Um, the third thing which I uh, which we are working on is that how do you build a um, resilience of small and women farmers to climate shocks and market shocks by bringing access to energy. So together with uh, agriculture, we are also promoting energy farming. How can women farm energy or produce energy um, and then sell the surplus energy uh, to the grid? And that's how, you know, they protect or safeguard themselves against climate and market shocks as well. And last and most important, I would say, is that how do you work on um, peer learning? Um, so South-South learning and knowledge sharing. Uh, because we all um, tend to uh, reinvent. But I think in order to accelerate pace of women having access to uh, clean energy and through that having access to decent and dignified jobs or work is through, um, you know, peer learning and knowledge sharing. Right. Thank you so much, Rima. Caroline, your top three. Thank you very much. Well, um... Well, we need direct investments, uh, really. All of the, the solutions will, will point towards the important need for direct investments. This is the role of donors, governments, philanthropies, uh, to ensure that financing, um, be it public or private, is going towards ensuring women have access to programs um, to support energy usage. So some specific ways of making this to happen is, you know, the need for GRE power, to move beyond the engineers to agricultural programs, school programs, health programs. Um, a concrete example would be in Ethiopia, for instance, where we're pairing, we are pairing our mini-grid intervention with an agricultural intervention focusing on horticultural farmers. That's one concrete way of doing it. Similarly, in Uganda, uh, with the largest utility, um, we're working where they're partnering, partnering with livelihood and microfinance organization to boost um, demand. So looking at the concrete example, I'll say the need to develop very specific partnerships that will train women and place them in companies, uh, reducing therefore the upfront cost and helping companies tap the best talents uh, in rural areas, including women is key. Uh, we've seen that many of these companies are looking to investors uh, both at large, both large donors and private investors um, have the power to, to, to actually demand that uh, they, those, those investors include women in leadership and in all roles within the organizations. So this is something we're really pushing toward to make it very concrete. We are providing the capital, but also the training um, to ensure that women are giving that forefront place. So... Uh, yeah, I hope that in years to come in rural communities, we can see women running the DRE plan, selling power, being part of the leadership team. This is really exciting. And all of this really opens up a huge uh, 
opportunity for women to be part of the climate solution and the jobs of the future. Um, overall, I think we can't address gender equity without ending energy poverty. Uh, maybe I'll just end with reminding that nearly half of the world's population has unreliable or insufficient energy access. 800 million people around the world don't have access to electricity. And without access to electricity, women can't start and expand their businesses, join good quality jobs, access high quality education for the 21st century, or even adequate healthcare. We can't change this. Let's be intentional about it. Um, and that's what we are trying to do. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline and Reba Ben, for this uh, insightful conversation and, and for the call of action. We we know that women are an inv inevitable part of the socioeconomic fabric for any progressive countries. Uh, I think it's time for policy, industry and institutions to join hands and deliver this promise of equity. Thank you to all listeners for joining in and uh, thank you, wonderful guests, for uh, sharing your insights. See you on the next episode of Flip the Switch. Bye for now. Flip the Switch, your podcast for the latest on power, people and the planet.